Our scripture this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the church in Rome. And we're in the 14th chapter, and he's going to be talking about freedom, 14th and a little bit of the 15th chapter. So join with me in listen 2 and 4, the word of God. Verse 7 and 8. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And then verse 13. Let us therefore no longer pass judgment on one another, but resolve instead never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of another. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. If your brother or sister is being injured by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Do not let what you eat cause the ruin of one for whom Christ died. So do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The one who thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and has human approval. Let us then pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for you to make others fall by what you eat. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. The faith that you have, have as your own conviction before God. Blessed are those who have no reason to condemn themselves because of what they approve. But those who have doubts are condemned if they eat, because they do not act from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And now the first three verses of chapter 15. We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, bless us this morning as we look at your word. Open it up to us. Reveal your truths. Reveal your freedom. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. During my college years at First Presbyterian Church in Concord, California, I was part of a Sunday evening college group called the Young Adult Koinonia. Uh, It's kind of a mouthful. We just called it YAK, Y-A-K group. And the group was, uh, especially in the summertime, a very happening group because all the college students had come home. Now, it just so happened that also in the summertime, On Sunday evenings, my family would typically have a meal together, a barbecue. And uh, it was a happening time. My dad made this barbecue sauce for the burgers. It was just incredible. I wish I had that recipe. Well, the problem was, in order to both eat dinner with the family and then get to the yak group, I would always have to finagle my departure time. I I would often leave the family early and then arrive late at the yak group. I just, I just had this conflict every Sunday evening. When I left early from my home, my parents would chafe a little bit 
And then when I came late to the yak group, I, I would be a yak slacker, as it were. One Sunday afternoon, before both the family barbecue and the yak group, I decided simply not to come home for dinner. Just go from wherever I, wherever I had been that afternoon straight to the yak group. So I did. I just went over to the church. I didn't contact my parents. We didn't have cell phones back then. I probably didn't have a quarter to make a, a, a pay phone call. But I just, had, I just went over to the yak group. I had a great time that evening. And I recall this amazing feeling of freedom, a sort of uh, kind of a free fall as I thought about making this decision all on my own. Well, eventually the, lack, the yak group um, meeting was over and I had to go home. And that was when this oppressive feeling of dread came over me. Because, you see, oh, didn't I tell you? It was my birthday. Probably my 21st birthday, which is why I was feeling so much freedom to make this adult decision. And as I came home, I, I somehow imagined that, yeah, probably everybody's staying up to 10 or 11 at night. They're going to celebrate me when I get home. The lights had been turned out long before. The party was long over. Unfortunately, my parents were still up. And uh, my memory goes a little bit foggy at this point, but I just remember trauma. Let's just say that the verbal dressing down I received from my parents left me a humbled emotional wreck. But it served me right, because I had left them uh, an emotional wreck earlier that evening. This was one of my earliest and best lessons about the limitations to my personal freedom. Folks, we're going to be taking a break this morning from our sermon series on the prophet Jeremiah to look at the New Testament letter of the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. And since it's just a day after Independence Day, we're going to explore freedom this morning a little bit. But not just any old freedom. Today we're going to look at Christian freedom, what I'm calling mutual freedom. First, we're going to give a little bit of background, and then we're going to explore two kinds of freedom. And finally, we're going to look at what true Christian strength is. So a little background now. The first converts to Christ were Jews. As such, they had a lot of laws that they felt they, they needed to comply with. For example, there were strict laws about food, which were clean or unclean, kosher, not kosher. And they were trying to ter determine the days that were holy, and which day in particular, Saturday or Sunday, should be the Lord's Day. I was still up for grabs at that time. The problem was more and more non-Jews, or Gentiles as we call them, converted to Jesus. As more did, they often came into the faith <clears throat> with a very different set of opinions about religious laws and observances than their Jewish Christian brothers and sisters. Which, as you can imagine, created a lot of conflict. Paul's tactic is to go less heavy on keeping every single jot and tittle of the law and more heavy on celebrating the newfound freedom in Christ. In the midst of these culture and religious clashes, Paul is saying that new Christians have great latitude, they have great freedom in Christ to decide what foods they can eat and even what day they can decide will be the, the Lord's day. <clears throat> 
In the midst of all these differing views, though, what does matter to Paul is how Christians treat each other. Though himself a Jew and a former Pharisee who, who lived out all of these Hebrew laws, Paul has since become the apostle to the Gentiles. And to the, these are to the very folks who, who were more lax on the food and the days that were celebrated. In effect, Paul is now a recovering Pharisee, trying to move beyond that experience as a Christian. So he uses a phrase for those who are more free about which laws they obey or not. He calls them strong in faith. They were confident in their faith in Christ, in their salvation. And so they didn't worry about whether their religious habits violated someone else's religious habits. Consequently, the weak in faith here were typically those Jewish Christians who felt that all the laws must be kept against all odds. So in order to help the church through these conflicts that arose, Paul has to describe what freedom in Christ actually looks like. So let's talk about freedom. <clears throat> First, I need to say that constitutional freedom is not the same as Christian freedom. Constitutional freedom has been much debated across our nation these days. Um, let's do talk about mask etiquette. No matter uh, the national, state, or workplace decrees, Americans have tended to decide individually whether or not to wear a mask and just exactly how they will wear one. If we're outside, is it okay not to wear one? Maybe, but probably not if there are a lot of people around. Uh, it may be reasonably safe not to wear a mask if you're more than six feet from the people around you, but you know, who can keep track of all the distances? I mean, I, I'm not going to pull out a tape measure and offend someone that way. Most restaurants won't let you in uh, if you don't wear a mask. Of course, there are some restaurants that uh, around the country that if you try to walk in wearing a mask, they will defiantly throw you out. Some of those places are starting to get shut down. Speaking of mask style, there are masks that at first cover the whole face from the nose down, but slowly, imperceptibly, they creep down the face to where you can now see the uncovered nose. The nose is peeking over the mask. And have you noticed that the eyes aren't as critical as we thought for reading a person's face? Masks have proven how hard it is to read someone's face when we can't see their mouth. Well, for all of the common sense safety concerns behind wearing masks and distancing, etc., none of us likes having to do any of this. Even so, the one thing that I personally don't see in the masking and distancing and cleanliness expectations is that they're somehow violating my constitutional rights. I don't see that. The guidelines seem to me to be about common sense, health and safety in a time of global pandemic. Now granted, physical safety isn't the only thing to consider uh, for our well-being. Emotional and economic safety have become huge factors, issues lately. But our personal constitutional freedoms, we have discovered, are not absolute. As Americans, we are not at liberty to do anything we want, whenever we want. 
We never really were, but now we really know it. Clearly, there are times and circumstances when our rights as individual citizens of America must be balanced by our responsibilities as a united people. A pandemic is a good time for us to be united. Christian freedoms, Paul would say, are also not absolute, at least not the ones he's talking about here in Romans 14 and 15. They are bounded in Christ. Paul explains that Christian freedom is a freedom in relationship to Christ first and then to our neighbor. So our mutual obligations as sisters and brothers in Christ outweigh our individual rights and freedoms. So long as we follow Jesus, we are bound by the law of love to consider the needs of the people around us. I once pastored a church that served only wine during communion, and we will have communion today. And one of the first things that I noticed on that first Sunday that I served at that church was that several people in the congregation did not take the wine when it was served. My guess was that some of those folks just didn't like wine, but also that others were probably working on their sobriety. So I eventually came to their session and I said, we need to make grape juice available as an alternative to communion wine, not to replace it, but to add to the communion service. Well, you would have thought that I'd burned a Bible right in front of them. They pushed back on that so hard. But, but you know what? The Lord finally moved their hearts. And alongside wine, we began to serve grape juice at communion. Well, guess what happened? That first Sunday that we served both, every one of those folks who had not taken the wine before drank the grape juice. They were finally able to celebrate a full communion. Before we as a church were exercising our liturgical right to drink only wine at communion, but we were not considering thinking at all of those brothers and sisters who were trying to stay sober, who had greater restrictions on their freedom so that they could eventually be more free. We've all heard the talk lately, maybe we've said it ourselves, that at times during the pandemic, our right to assemble as the people of faith have been unconstitutionally withheld from us. First off, we need to remember that church has never been about a building. Church has always been first about the body of believers, whether those believers meet in person, online, in the catacombs, in house churches, in secret. The church is not a building. It's a body of believers. Second, we here at La Jolla Presbyterian Church have never closed down as such. We are still open, and we're still meeting pretty much online, but we're doing that in a host of ways, as I always say. Check out our website, ljpress.org. Online people are real people. But viewed from the perspective of our faith, the safe limitations on in-person church gatherings, just as much as serving grape juice and communion, has less to do with our constitutional rights and more to do with the second great commandment of Christ, love your neighbor as yourself. Absolutely, I hate the quarantine. 
and I don't want to get COVID either. But far more than that, I do not want to be the cause of someone else getting COVID or, God forbid, dying from it. These are hard times we're living in, filled with unprecedented COVID and racial unrest. Why would we possibly imagine that the guidelines for living would be the same as they usually are? And yet, for followers of Christ, things have not changed. When you think about it, the physical, economic, mental, racial, spiritual heartache of our times have made it even more imperative that we love our neighbors as ourselves, as Jesus Christ commanded us. So I wear my mask and I take my precautions, more indeed for the sake of those who actually may be weaker physically than me. Christian freedom means that whatever I do must be done in the light of my love for Jesus Christ and for my neighbor. To be strong in Christ means that our rights may at times be secondary to the needs of our neighbor. Being strong in Christ might mean at least exercising the strength of tolerance as well. My grandpa Mitchell was a deeply faithful Christian, and uh, he's one of the first people to in introduce the faith to me. But he had this one trait that drove my dad nuts. My dad would bristle at this. Grandpa believed that compromise, that word, was a dirty word. And he felt that to compromise on anything related to the faith was a form of sin. Now, my father was a believer too, just not quite as dogmatic as Grandpa. And he and Grandpa would just butt heads all the time. Folks, I love both my Grandpa and my dad. But none of us does well being around people who absolutely won't compromise, who are intolerant of the thoughts and even the needs of other people. Compromise, or at least a little tolerance of our views and needs, is what we expect from other people. We want that for ourselves from them. Why would they not also want it from us? As Christians, not every single time, but often we will be called to give in to the needs of another person. This is one of the ways that we love our neighbor. Friends, our mutual freedom in Christ is that. It's mutual. It's a relationship, which means that it has boundaries. You can call them limitations if you would like, but they ultimately enable us to be more free. Our freedom in Christ doesn't mean that we are free to do our thing whenever and wherever we like. If we take our relationships seriously, we're really not free to, for example, skip our own birthday party, especially when everybody brought gifts for you and made a banana cake for you and was waiting a long time for you. Since our freedom is bounded in Christ, our most important allegiance, Christ, we are now free to love our neighbor as ourselves, finally free to do so because of our allegiance and our love for Jesus Christ. Paul's words again in Romans, we do not live to ourselves and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. 
so that whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Let us then pursue what makes for mutual peace and for mutual upbuilding. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words from Paul, who delved deeply into what freedom really means. Christian freedom, Lord, you have shared with us this morning that it is relational. And so let us live out the freedom that we have, whatever it may be about, with our neighbor in mind, with you in mind, Lord. Keep us, Lord, vigilant for the freedoms of this nation. But remind us, Lord, of your freedoms and our allegiance to you, which is above all things. We thank you, God, that your freedom comes to us and is celebrated by us this morning in this table. Lord, as we partake of you, bless us, nourish us, send us out to do your work in your kingdom. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.